Today is the last part of a four-part sermon series. We're working through the very end of the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 28, um, verses 16 through 20. This very end of the gospel of Matthew is often called the Great Commission. Um, Our sermon series is called How to Make a Disciple. Uh, And the reason we're calling it this is because I am suggesting that in this little passage, Jesus gives us the three steps to the making of a disciple. And that's what we're all here for. That's what church is for. We are here so that we might be made into disciples and that we might make disciples out of others. That's our mission as a church. So let's listen now for God's word to us this morning once again. And let's listen for the three steps in the making of a disciple. Today we're on step three. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Step one, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Step two, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then for today, step three, remember I am with you always until the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray for the one who preaches, for his sins are many. Let's pray. Holy God, remind us today, may something of what I say and do, or at least something of what is seen and heard of me today, may not be of me, may it only be of you and your goodness and your promises and your presence, and the things that you have done with us and for us, and the things you'd have us do for you in our lives and in this, your world. In your holy name, we ask this. Amen. So with the very last words that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of Matthew, he commands his disciples to remember him. To be human is to remember, because change is a constant part of life, whether you like it or not. You can't stop change. Nothing remains the same forever. All things come and go for good and for ill. The only thing that you can do with change is figure out how to position yourself to have the courage to deal with it. Uh, Today's prevailing wisdom on how you deal with the constant change of life goes something like this. You only live once. No day but today. Have no regrets. The idea, right, is that the present is the only thing that matters. I totally understand this sentiment. Right, like the, the thought is, the past is gone. There's nothing you can do about it. It's done. You can't change the past. And on the other hand, no one knows the future. The future's completely uncertain. You never know what tomorrow brings. So therefore, it's best not to worry about change. But instead to just focus on what's happening right in front of you. Right here and right now. The present is the only thing that matters. But when you open up the Bible, you find a very different idea. One that, at least for me, rings more hopeful and more true. The Bible says that the past matters deeply. 
Because through it, God has always been at work forming us in ways that we could not have known at the time that we were being formed. And at the same time, the Bible says that the future is anything but uncertain. It lies in the hands of a good and just God who has claimed us in grace and in mercy. So in the eyes of the Bible, the past matters deeply and is still with us, and and the future has already been set with hope. So that means that the only thing that remains uncertain is how we deal with the change that we face in the present, right here and right now. So as the world constantly changes around us, our lives are constantly changing around us, Jesus tells us that the final step in being made into a disciple is to remember and remember and remind and remember that he is with us always until the very end. Now we human beings remember each other in all manners of ways. So maybe there's a family portrait that hangs over your fireplace in your living room. Or maybe there's a black and white photograph of your parents on their wedding day, bright and full of youth, and it sits on a shelf in your office or at your home. Maybe if you dig deep into your closet, you could find a shoebox full of those old friendship bracelets that you made with those old friends back in grade school. Or you could pull out those home movies that are on VHX tapes and you could blow out the inside of a VCR, hopefully it still works, and you could pop it in and watch from time to time when you're feeling nostalgic. Or there are family heirlooms that are passed down to you from earlier generations that you hold dear. Maybe there's some names somewhere carved on a gravestone or a slab of granite covering a niche. We have all ways of remembering people. We human beings try to remember well. And at the same time, to be a human is to long to be remembered well. Right? In this sense, what Jesus asks us here when he says, remember him, there's nothing unusual about his request. Life is short. You only got so much time to make something of your life count. And so who among us has not longed to be remembered well? Like when you meet somebody for the first time, you want to make a good impression because you want to be someone worth remembering. We go around, we post our lives on social media as if we're crying out to the world, I'm here, please, please don't forget me. Some of us live our lives hoping to build something that'll outlast us like a like a fortune or a business or a building with our name on it an institution that'll stand for decades and for centuries to come a legacy some kind of mark that will prove that we were here when we no longer are we hope that those who love us most who inevitably see us at our absolute worst and at our absolute best will remember us Not at our worst, but at our best. To be human is to long to be remembered. We all long to be remembered because to be remembered is to know that your labors in life will not have been in vain. That all the things that you have suffered 
in life will not have been for naught. To be remembered is our way of cheating death. Just a little bit. As far as being remembered goes, Jesus of Galilee has got everybody on earth beat. He is probably the best remembered person in all of human history. He has been remembered with great Gothic cathedrals that scrape the sky all over the world. He is remembered with hospitals that have been founded in his name that have crosses on there to to, to show that they are a place of healing and compassion in the memory of his healing and compassion. He has been remembered with some of the oldest and most prestigious universities in the world, which began as efforts to educate the masses about him. By the standards of the world, Jesus was a nobody from Galilee, which was nowhere. And yet, somehow, he has come to be remembered by the world almost better than anybody else who has ever lived. And yet, when Jesus asks us to remember him, this is not the kind of remembrance that he is interested in. He does not want to be remembered the way most of us want to be remembered. He does not want to be remembered for the fact that he was here. What he wants us to remember is that he is here. Remember that I am with you always, he says, until the very end. So the common sentiment that says that life, when it comes to change should be addressed by thinking of the past as long gone and the future unknowable, is unknowable. So the only certainty that we have right right before us is the only thing that matters? That doesn't work. And that Bible, it has its different perspective that says the past actually matters deeply and the future is already set. So therefore, the the only uncertain thing is how we deal with that ever-present change. How are we then to deal with the ever-present reality of change? We deal with it by remembering that Jesus is with us in the present, right here, right now, as the world changes with us and around us. Jesus even goes on to tell us how we are meant to remember him. He doesn't just tell us, he shows us. He showed his disciples on the night before his death. He he gathered around a table with all of his closest followers in a a borrowed room in Jerusalem. And for dinner that night, uh, he, he told his disciples of the great changing tides that were coming for him and for all of them in that present moment. He told them exactly what was about to happen to him. He said, I am going to die. And I'm going to die a violent death. The end has come near, he says, but the end is just the beginning. And because his disciples lack the imagination to understand what he's saying, he shows them. He took a loaf of bread. He passes it around to all of them. He says, everybody, break off a piece and eat it. He he then takes a bottle of wine off the shelf and he passes it around too. He says, everybody, everybody, take a swig. This bread... This bread is my body, broken for you. This this wine is my blood, shed for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. You see, what Jesus knows is not only is change a constant part of life, but change is hard. Change is painful. Change brings loss. It brings grief. Change gets exhausting. And it doesn't matter how beautiful the memories are you hold on to. It doesn't matter how tightly you cling to the hope of the future. In the end, responding to change means you've got to find some kind of strength to keep on going as the change wears you out. You need encouragement. You need sustenance. You need nourishment to keep going. You need food. To this, Jesus says, I'm not just a memory of the past. Jesus says, I'm not just a pie in the sky hope for the future. Jesus says, I am with you. I'm with you right now. I am with you in this very present moment. Let my presence sustain you. Let my presence nourish me. you. Let my presence be your food that feeds you and keeps you going. And so when you're in the present moment and the changing tides of life leave your body broken and beaten, remember him. Remember how his body was broken and beaten. Is broken and beaten with you. For you. And when in the present moment the changing tides of life leave your own heart poured out with grief and pain, remember how his heart was poured out in grief and pain. Remember how his heart is poured out in grief and pain with you and for you. In your own heartache, remember his heartache. Remember that his heartache is for you. And remember that because his heart aches for you, there comes a day where no one shall have heartache anymore. Here are pieces of me, Jesus says, in bread and in wine, present for you now. Let it be your food. Let me be your nourishment. I am your daily bread. Remember me, he says. Remember that I am with you always, 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 until the very end. In the ever-changing present, you need not try to cheat death. because it has already been defeated for us all. This, my friends, is the making of a disciple. To remember. To baptize, which is to say there's a validity to your life that has been pronounced from the very beginning that you did not earn and cannot be taken away. To teach that the hope of this grace must carry you through every moment until the very end and to remember that he is with you always right here and right now. This is what the church does. This is how the church makes disciples. This is how you are being made into a disciple right now. Remember, remember 
who Christ is for you. And you know what? There are those in our world who who would say that right now the memory of Jesus seems to be fading away. Many of the cathedrals that were built to his honors, honor, if you go over to Europe, they operate now as museums. Hospitals are no longer charitable missions, they're multi billion dollar corporations. Many of the universities that were built in his name have distanced themselves from their sectarian roots. But make no mistake, Jesus never cared to be remembered in any of those ways. He did not care to be remembered for his own sake. He cared to be remembered for yours, for the sake of the world. And so this is how we remember him. This is how we remember he is here. And so today, beloved of God, we gather to be reminded with saints all around the globe what Christ has done for us and what he would have us do for him. We gather to be reminded by each other that Christ is not just a distant memory, nor just a long-awaited hope, but that he is here at this table where we come to be fed as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask this. Amen. Amen.